Welcome everyone to episode 141 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Rahul Mohan Kumar as we react to Fabinho's imminent move to Al Ittihad and Henderson's potential move to El Etifak. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So we've really been delaying our podcast this week. Obviously, there's been a bit of mayhem the past few days, I think it's fair to say. We've been trying to find some clarity. We might have something resembling that now, certainly in the case of Fabinho, who hasn't travelled with the Liverpool squad uh, for the pre-season training camp in Germany. He's agreed personal terms over a 40 million move to Al Ittihad in the Saudi Pro League, and he's expected to see a lot move away for a fee of 40 million. So we're going to get into that first, and then we'll come on to um, all the drama surrounding Jordan Henderson too. So first of all, Rahul, welcome to the podcast. Um, initial reaction, I suppose, to uh, Fabinho's exit, first of all, and uh, as well as that, I mean, the crazy week that, that Liverpool have had. I think initial reaction is surprise, um, just because I think all the sounds coming out of the club over the last couple of weeks or even months were that we might have some outgoings. And if we were going to have outgoings, it would probably be Henderson or Thiago. Um, there wasn't much mention of Fabinho, um, if I'm being honest. From a personal point of view as well, we were looking to to offload a couple of the senior midfielders, he would have been bottom of my list. A um, couple of reasons for that, obviously, in terms of age profile, he's the youngest out of the three. He's only coming up to 29 this year, which is still sort of peak prime years for number six. Secondly, I think the number six for a Liverpool team under Jürgen Klopp is probably one of the most difficult positions to play for and because it's so difficult to play it's so hard to recruit as well Fabinho's done that over a few years he knows the lay of the land he knows what we're doing we are switching to the new sort of formation which I think is even more difficult for um, not only the number six but whoever plays the Konate role in, at centre-back mm. so I mean if you had given me a choice out of all three midfielders to lose the season he would have been definitely bottom of the list Um I can. I think if you look at it from maybe the, I mean, from players' point of view, you can definitely see why he's doing it. Possibly, we haven't really seen much about wage demands or what they're offering, but I, I assume they're pretty hefty. From the club point of view, I am a bit surprised. I think he's got two years left on the deal. I'm not mistaken, so there's no pressure to sort of sell that point of view. But I think maybe the way they're looking at it is, we paid what 40 million for him about five years ago, and we're recouping all of that. My biggest worry now is that. This seems like it's come as a surprise. Mm. And if it's come as a surprise, what do we have in line in terms of replacements? Or what is our contingency? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And um, we'll look at some potential replacements as well. I mean, to touch on the, the point about being a surprise, there was a quote, which I believe was from Neil Jones a few days ago, who's obviously one of the most well-connected journalists around the club. He said, um, in terms of exits, Thiago was was green. Um Henderson was amber and Fabinho was red. Oh, yeah, I remember that, actually. Yeah, yeah, I think from from the club's standpoint, it was, you know, we're not considering selling them at all. And I think that's one thing we've got to consider with this is there might be a narrative that Liverpool have decided to cash in on Fabinho because they think he's passed his best. But in reality, 
I think it's just the landscape's just been changed by this offer that they completely didn't anticipate. I mean, they, they probably thought if they were going to be off for Fabinho, they'd probably be close to almost half um, what that. they got. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So, uh, obviously, based on the back of, of what we saw last season. I mean, this week as a whole, I mean, I, I can't even remember at this stage when, I suppose, the rumors yeah. up maybe sort of yeah. Thursday or something like that. <laughs> it, it feels like at the start, it felt out of control, I think. And I was sort of really concerned in terms of the implications that it might have um, for Liverpool and, and their kind of season and their pre-season, obviously, in the more immediate future. Um, I think things have settled down a bit now. It feels like, obviously, we've got a bit more clarity around Fabinho, what he's going to do. Um, Henderson, we'll talk about this a bit later. At the moment, it probably looks more like He's going to stay, but it's still a bit up in the air, that one, just because, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't look like Liverpool's demands are going to be met on that. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I think I was it was a concern just in the sense that, you know, the situation was being taken out of Liverpool's hands. You know, exactly. they obviously managed the window so well up to this point, yeah. it felt like. And then everything, obviously the clear vision that they had in terms of their midfield rebuild was basically, you know, disrupted heavily. Um, and it kind of felt like, there was no way to dress it up as a solid foundation to build a season from, yeah. um, I suppose. And uh, hopefully now things are starting to to settle down a bit. I mean, the one thing with this podcast is based on how fluid the situation is, you know, things can always change. So we don't really know um, what might happen sort of happen, later, yeah. late, later today on, on uh, Sunday when we're recording this or in, obviously in subsequent days. But at the moment, things look, look to be heading in a slightly... Um, more solid direction, let's say. Yeah. Um, before we talk more about the transfer and what Liverpool need to do replacement-wise, I mean, we've obviously got to talk about um, Fabinho's legacy at Anfield, you know, his significance as a player, given that he is seemingly about to leave. So, obviously, um, signed in 2018, so we will have been at the club for five years. I mean, just, just touch on, I suppose, how... Highly, I mean, he would rank in terms of you know modern Liverpool players and um, the contribution he's made, and um, you know another who has to merit the state of Liverpool legend, surely. Yeah, I think I remember the announcement because he was one of those signings where there was nothing was there. There was absolutely like nothing on Twitter, none of the usual sort of sources that anything about us agreeing a deal. I'm, I still remember I was at work. Um, and I think I was on a break or something. I literally checked my phone, and I think it, it might have been like Paul Joyce who just been like Liverpool agree forty million Monaco for for Fabinho. I said, where, where has this come from? And that was um, it was a few days after the Champions, our first final loss on the club, mm. wasn't it, against Madrid? So I remember everyone was pretty low, but I just remember seeing that sign. I was like, it's a good piece of business, that you know, that's 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 a good piece of business. Um, yeah, it was. Lo- I think it was a low-key signing, even with regard to the status around the player. I mean, that Monaco side had done really well. He played with Mbappe. He played with, um, you know, a few of the other players who eventually came up to sign for other teams. But I think the hype was never around him. Do you know what I mean? If, if anyone spoke mm. for the young Monaco side, it was never about that Fabinho needs a big move, you know. Um, and I think that's what made the signing even better. Because the first... I think he didn't see... The starting eleven for a while, um, if I'm not mistaken, which we've found is quite typical under Klopp. New players get a lot of time to sort of bed in, to I think find fitness levels more importantly. And then when he eventually did come in, it, 
amazing. I mean, I just remember those first few seasons where obviously we did well. For me, top three in the world at number six at that point. Do you know what I mean? I, I remember saying, this this is amazing. You just watch him and he's this type of player where he'll never be on the highlight reels. He'll never be on match of the day most of the time. But you watch Liverpool play off the ball when the, the opposition is in possession and fantastic. The amount of ground he covers, game intelligence, top class. I think it's... It's a bit of a shame the season he had last season. Um, I think we had, you know, a tremendous season, the one before where we were in all four competitions going for it. And I think legs fought, fell off for not only him, mm. but because, like we said, number six is such a hard position to play. He he was, um, he took the brunt of it. So I think that's a bit of a shame and he has to leave on maybe a slight of a low, but he was pivotal, pivotal to us challenging, to winning the trophies we have had. And uh, I hope in some way he'll get a good send-off. I don't know how that's going to be now, um, but but it would be nice because he he played a big part in this Klopp revolution so far. Yeah, that's another thing we haven't touched on in terms of these exits. Is that obviously we saw you know all the fanfare around you know Milner, Firmino, etc. at the end of last season, and um, we wouldn't really be able to have that kind of uh, farewell at least in the, in the immediate um, yeah. these players left. And I suppose that kind of adds to the the feeling of of upheaval a little bit. Um, I mean, just on Fabinho, I obviously echo everything you said there. I think that the main point I wanted to make was that we had, I think, from that first season until the 21-22 season, one of the probably the top three, oh. you know, number six in the world. I mean, the, the era that it feels like it's sort of been Fabinho, Rodri and Casemiro in that period as, as the three kind of um, standout players in that position. Um, well, to be, and to be fair, even Rodri, I think over the past two seasons, he's been up there and I'm probably probably the best. But before then, it's Casemiro, Fabinho, really, off the top of my head. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, so so it's, it's been it's been those those three have been set in the standard and they're obviously slightly different players. But the crucial thing for Liverpool was to have that kind of elite option in there. I mean, I, I saw people make the point on Twitter yesterday that um, he was kind of the successor to to Mascherano in terms of what what Liverpool needed so badly in that position, but probably went on to sort of even bigger heights in terms of the, the levels he actually reached at Anfield. And um, yeah, I mean, he was never sort of I never really thought of him as someone who was kind of um, you know a particularly gifted passer of the ball. And I don't know if, if that's harsh. I think he was more kind of functional in possession, but in terms of his ability to, um, I mean, you know, he's referred to as as a Hoover, um, as a lighthouse, lighthouse. like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's a, it, I mean that ability. I think the thing I'll remember most with, with Fabinho is just kind of those moments where he's up against an attacker and he somehow kind of reaches. You know, <laughs> he had these incredibly long legs. He's able to reach around attackers um, and somehow you know poke the ball off them. Um, and those moments were like. It's like you say, it's not necessarily spectacular. It's not. You know, he's not going to be remembered as you know one of the most. Um, sort of exciting players of this team by any means, but definitely one of the most important and, and those moments are sort of um, satisfying in their own way, I suppose. And I think it does feel a little bit kind of, because it is just, you know, bang in the middle of the summer transfer window, It there is a bit of an anticlimax about it, but mm-hmm. I think it is still kind of worth, you know, us stopping to kind of uh, recognise the, the contribution he's made. And I think as much as the departures come sooner than probably anybody expected, to get kind of four years of elite service and then another yeah. year, which was obviously a lot more kind of mixed um, out of Fabinho. I think for what Liverpool pays, I mean, you mentioned that price tag there um, initially. Um, I think 
you can't really have too no. many qualms about that. Yeah, 100%. let's move on to kind of the sale price tag then. I mean, 40 million. I mean, when you look at that, can you see why, even if Liverpool weren't planning to sell Fabinho, they've almost just kind of jumped at the chance to cash in for that amount? I think, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a cop out answer, but I think with a lot of transfers in or out, you, you can only judge it looking forward. So I think with the Fabinho sale, you're, you're absolutely like 40 million is a lot. It's a, it's a lot of money. We're, we're paying the same that we paid for someone coming into their peak was maybe going off their peak. But I think where we'll truly be able to judge it is how we fare in the season coming and who's going to play number six, mm. you know, when, 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 when we kick off in August. Because, I mean, the fee could be 80 million, but if we have another disappointing season and we look at it and we say, oh, we didn't really have the right sort of protection in front of the back four, you know, we were scoring goals, we were looking great up front, but that defensive solidity just wasn't there. Is it is it worth the 40 million? Would it have been better to let him go maybe even on a free or even on a minimal fee next season if we managed to have that transition into someone else or whether he could have had a good season. Like we said, he had a bad season last season. He's still 29. Probably could have still, still done a job. I think, I mean, why I was looking forward to this season with McAllister and Soboslai coming in, as, as well as, you know, Bacetic coming back to fitness, is the numbers. I think we suffered a lot because players were being asked to play more games than they ever should have. Mm. I was looking forward to Thiago, you know, making appearances when he needed to make appearances and getting the rest that he needed. Same thing with Fabinho. So I think to answer your question again, 40 minutes is a great fee, but how we fare next season is more important. And I think, you know, last season was disappointing. Fine, we all take it on the chin, but we can't have another season where we're not in and about there. Um, everyone is strengthening around us, so we need to be challenging. And this number six position is so important. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know what you think about what, when you first got the news. What was the initial reaction? Because I've seen a mixed reaction from a lot of people actually. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll come on to it in a bit, and I guess I'll explain more about why. But I think I would prefer to lose uh, Fabinho to Henderson. So to look at it and think, you know, forty million for him feels like you know I'm quite I'm fairly happy with that outcome. Yeah. Um, as much as I don't love the fact that it wasn't a pre-planned sale and that Liverpool are kind of scrambling a little bit at the moment. Um, I think that if you sort of offered it to me when when all this news came out that this was going to be the final outcome, then I think, you know what, that sounds all right to me. Um, I mean, the interesting thing with uh, that 40 million price tag is you can basically break last season down roughly with, with him into sort of the first three quarters where he was miles off it, um, to be quite honest. And then the final quarter of the season. Um, and it's obviously worth saying that, you know, him struggling isn't necessarily all his fault. I mean, there's going to be sort of varied opinions on whether he's been overworked in the system. I mean, you mentioned how hard it, hard it was to sort of carry out that role um, and and whether kind of he had enough kind of support in front of him mm-hmm. um, things like that, or whether it was just, you know, an individual drop-off, um, probably a combination of all of that. And then obviously there's the final course of the season where most people would agree he looked a fair bit better, sort of um, operating in that new box midfield with a, you know another player in there alongside him. I think that's why Liverpool probably more hesitant to lose him than they otherwise would have been, and sort of really much kind of backing them to to get up to um, 
his top level. And yeah. crucially, I suppose, with this, you know, Saudi Pro League move, however many stars they've brought in this summer, it's going to take, I think, multiple years before they, the league is at kind of a anything resembling a high level. Yeah. So there won't be a gauge. I think Fabinho's international career is probably over at this point. Um, yeah. So there isn't going to be a gauge necessarily of how good Fabinho is. And I think that's why the point you made in terms of the judgment on the transfer is not going to come from the player side. It's going to come from how Liverpool actually fare in that position next season is is probably um, probably quite accurate, really. Um, let's think about that then. I mean, the question of what Liverpool need to do in the market is a very interesting one, I think, because there's not only the amount of players they need to sign. And, you know, I've seen a couple of people say that that's too unnecessary. Um, there's also the, the brand of player, and that's obviously multifaceted in the sense of is it going to be a a young player to take over, like someone like Romeo Lavia, or is it going to be do you put in someone more experienced? Because now you don't need someone. The transfer task in that position has changed from the start of the summer. You don't need someone who can almost uh, provide cover, a long-term yeah. successor to Fabinho who can maybe step in if he struggles again. Now you need someone who's ready to drop straight into that team and start and perform at a high level in that, in that role. So it's very difficult. The market maybe isn't looking the best um, in terms of options. Uh, so I'll just, before I get your, your take on that, let me just read the uh, the list of, of options that were circulated yesterday. So there was uh, Sofian Amrabat from uh, Fiorentina. Um, Ryan Gravenberch was one that was suggested, which is a slightly head-scratching one, you'd have to say, given that it's not necessarily his position. Yeah. Um, Calvin Phillips from Man City to kind of continue the uh, the head scratching trend, and then there was one other name as well. That was oh yeah, Zhao Polina from Fulham was on there too. Yeah. Um. So it's a varied list. Certainly, obviously Romeo Lavia as well. Um. Not to forget him, like I mentioned, um, a bit earlier. So what do you think Liverpool need to do? What What is the best approach in what looks like a pretty tricky situation? Yeah, it's it's. I think it, that's why pre-season's got. I mean, it was already going to be interesting, but I think it's it's going to be really interesting now. I think there's two ways to look at it. So we can look at it internally first. Who can play that number six from the squad players we have at the minute? Um, obviously, Jordan Henderson would probably be our second choice number six. Um, so he could be an option there, whether he stays or not. McAllister, he's played for he's played in a slightly deeper position for Brighton um, at times last season when he wasn't needed in the ten, so that's an option there as well. And then obviously we've got uh, Bashitic who could play there. Um, he's coming off, I think, an adductor injury, so he's you know he's mm-hmm. not played senior football for a while. I don't know how keen they'd be on you know him starting in number six. So we do have options there, um, you know, but I think. Ideally, what they'd want to bring in is a specialist number six, someone who's got a decent... I mean, I think Neil Jones is the one saying that the sweet spot for for players we look at now is something about 1,700 minutes at a senior level. So that, you know, narrows down your options again. Uh, a number six of the quality we need, who played 1,700 minutes in probably a top five league, I mean, again, I'm not a football scout. I mean, they will have names that I've never probably heard of before, but you are narrowing your options quite quite a lot there. It's funny you should say that, like, all the patch journalists, oh, well, quite a few of the reliable patch journalists yesterday came up with the same few names. So, obviously, they've got that from somewhere. Do any of them excite me? Probably not. 
Um, Ryan Gravenberch, I think he, he was mentioned in January as well this year, and I thought at that time, you know, something interesting because we were quite desperate. Now, when I look at it, I don't think he's the solution to, to, to our problems. I think if we're looking at someone who can really do a job, cover ground, make some tackles, but is sort of seven out of six, seven out of ten every game, Sofian Amrabat's not a bad option. Mm. Then again, in terms of age profile, I think he's coming on to 28 now. So we're looking at someone who can get maybe two, three years out of him, and then I don't know where we go from there. I think Kelvin Phillips, in the unlikely event that Sissi even let us speak to him, he, you know, what we need is reliability, and he's shown that he he's a very injury-prone player. Didn't play much for City yes, uh, last season, but for under Leeds, I remember him being, you know, hardly putting a string of games together. And again, I thought he was 24, 25. He's 28, you know. So, I mean, again, it's not ideal. I really like Lavia. I think he's a great option. He's played Premier League minutes, shown he can, you know, perform at a decent level, but... Is that someone we want coming in at the number six to begin with? I have no idea. So my hope is there's someone out there that we've not even considered yet. And we we have a Fabinho part two where it's a, it's a good old tweet from Paul Joyce and says, deal agrees with blah, blah, blah. He comes in and, and you know, we're laughing. But I think there's a, you know, seeing that we've already started preseason, I wouldn't be surprised if we start the number six with one of the boys we've got already. Yeah, I think um, it's difficult because they're going to want someone in very quickly, I think. Um, but again, it's not the most um, compelling market. I mean, I wrote about this the other day. It's essentially, there's a combination of circumstances behind that. I think the top two players in the number six position going into this summer were Declan Rice and Moises Caicedo. Yep. Rice, we've obviously just seen, has gone to Arsenal for £105 million. Caicedo probably will go to Chelsea if he doesn't yeah, move it's looking like for, for a similar price tag beyond Liverpool's capacity even with this 40 million from Fabinho unfortunately so when you can't afford those two you think okay who else is available um you've kind of missed the boat on a few options I mean obviously there's a lot of talk about Liverpool should have got Enzo Fernandez when he was at River Plate um slightly different boat for Fabinho obviously as a, as, a, as a number six but that would have been about sort of 15 million there um Obviously, that can go to Benfica and his price tag exploded. Shuamani as well. But, you know, if, if he was in the squad, this problem doesn't exist. <laughs> he yeah. chose to join Real Madrid instead. So I guess, you know, you don't necessarily blame Liverpool for that. You're no. going up against Real in the transfer race. But, you, you know, you've basically you've, you've missed the boat on a few potential options that you could have got. Manuel Agarte is another uh, one. Yeah, Aguarte would have been. Yeah, would have been a candidate for this particular summer in terms of an available player for a price that isn't, you know, too ridiculous. He's obviously gone to PSG already. And then you look at the list of options. Lavia, I think I've kind of um, flitted back and forth on my stance on him, but I, I certainly don't think that he is enough as a sole replacement for Fabinho at this stage of his career. Um, Amrabat, I think, would... I mean, somebody there in terms of six or seven out of ten every week, I feel like is pretty accurate. Um, my concern with him is the only thing I've seen of him is when he's playing in a Morocco team, which was essentially defending in its own final third for pretty much, you know, whole games. And that would be very different to a task at Liverpool. Yeah. I actually yeah, thought in fairness that we did play quite well in the Conference League final and in a more kind of um, advanced role, I suppose, or further up the pitch for uh, Fiorentina. Um, Polina, I think you get him. I mean, he was outstanding last season, but you get him and you're basically saying, it's almost an admission of the weakness of the market in the sense that, okay, we'll get him. He'll give us three, four years, maybe, um, as kind of an elite ball winner. 
um, in that position. But then we've got to look at it again. Yeah, I think there's, there is a case think, for that. I don't think he comes cheap either, does he? Definitely not. I think, I think especially knowing that the need is there, Fulham will charge a lot because they paid a decent amount themselves last year. Um, but I think there is a case to part from kind of the the usual model in terms of bringing in someone who's a bit more established just because of the nature of the market and, and needing that kind of immediate impact. Gravenberg's obviously not an option, I don't think. Phillips, and like you say, too many injuries there. So I hope that's a smokescreen. The name, <laughs> um, the name Florentino Luis from Benfica is an intriguing one. Would be a bit of a long-term sign and you'd have to accept maybe some of that initial bed name period that we actually saw with Fabinho can you afford that I don't know so this is ultimately one of those scenarios where you're happy that you're not the one making the decisions because there isn't kind of the obvious solution and I think the thing to say to kind of summarize is there isn't a Fabinho in this market there isn't a player of that level that age and and that price tag essentially and and that is where um, the challenge lies uh, for Liverpool but anyway Let's move on to Jordan Henderson then because we've got to talk about him as well. Um, when all this news was coming out and it became increasingly clear that Henderson was serious about potentially making this move, how much of a concern was it for you? We've seen the vice-captain go already and, and there's been a debate on social media about how important it is to keep those figures around in terms of you know the, our other maybe national team captains in the side. I mean, do you think leadership generally and the leadership that and the importance of Henderson's leadership is exaggerated or do you think it would be a big problem to lose that? No, like you said, I think I've seen differing views on it where loads of people are saying, what are you talking about? You know, we've got Verge, we've got Trent, we've got Alisson, you know, all senior players. It's nothing to worry about. But I think when we've been good under Klopp, has been when we've been at our most stable, when, you know, the squad harmony was there, when everyone knew who was who. And, yeah, that's ex- that was my first reaction when I when I saw Henderson was considering the offer. I said, oh, no, we've just lost Milner. Um, I, I don't know if it's a good idea to lose Henderson. And, you know, people might scoff at that in the sense that I don't know how much he would have contributed or he will contribute on the pitch. But I think you can't discount personalities and you can't discount senior players in a squad you know the top top managers have always kept players where people think about what why is he still keeping him around you know he doesn't play him he's just not up the standard and on the other side top managers have got rid of players who peak of their powers but were, were causing harm to the dressing room you look at Alex Ferguson one of the best to ever do it Yam Stam was was you know a top center back at the time got rid of him the moment he thought he wasn't you know contributing off the pitch mm-hmm. did the same with david beckham there, there is something to be said about how football players contribute off the pitch and i think that's my biggest concern if henderson goes but then again i think you got you got to look back at it and say that klopp doesn't hold on to players when they want to go we've mm-hmm. seen with continuo we've seen with you know with with multiple other options, if they are keen to go, and I feel he wants a squad who wants to be there. Yeah. So I think the moment a player wants to go, they're out the door. I think Henderson, there's a degree of sympathy from me now in the sense that he's been enticed with this big contract. He said yes, and then now they're saying they, they can't find any money to, to pay the transfer fee. So he's in a really difficult position now. He soured the mood amongst the fans. He would have left as... You know, he would have left as a club legend, um, one of the most important characters over the past five years. But now I think he's in a very difficult position. 
Mm. Um, where he goes from that, where the club goes from that, it'll be really interesting to see. I don't know how your feelings are on him if he does stay. Do you, do you think he 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 retains that positive sort of aura he's got around the club, or do you think it's sort of soured his legacy a bit? I think that's one of the toughest questions around this, to be honest, um, because I think you know it's fair enough for him to to want to leave Liverpool, you know, especially if he has concluded or been told that he's not going to get the same amount of game time. Which I think he might have been. And obviously, you've seen Thomas like come in, who looks like kind of the player who would start in his position. But Klopp trusts Henderson, you know, as much, if not more, than anybody else in his team. I think he would still have played a lot of football, especially because if you've got players like Lavia coming in who's 19, Thomas like is 22, Klopp likes that kind of safe pair of hands to kind of handle transition periods. Um, so I think that would have been a factor. So I don't necessarily begrudge him that. Um, and the timing of it is obviously not great in terms of being right to start a preseason, but then you could also say the interest is kind of at the start, you know, it, that, that that's just when it's arrived. And that's obviously, you know, concurrent with, you know, Gerard going over is probably the driver of that interest in the first place. Do, um, do I think, you think these conversations would have happened at the end of last season? Do you know what I mean? About the, we've heard now about the reduced minutes and things like that. But don't you think that would have been something which would have come up sort of, sort of earlier? Yeah, do you know, they probably would have because that is, I feel like, the natural point to maybe discuss it before a player is kind of, uh, you know, away from the environment. Um, I suppose Henderson didn't know at that time. I think Gerrard hadn't even been appointed then and he's obviously the driver. So I don't think Henderson maybe thought about that as a possibility. Obviously, we've seen, we don't kind of have the exact figure on this contract, um, but it's been, you know, described as, you know, potentially, you know, quadrupling his salary or something ridiculous like that. Um, so obviously, yeah. you know, from his standpoint, and we won't get into it today, but there's obviously a big debate over sort of how much footballers should move for money when they're already on kind of big salaries in the first place. <laughs> um, but I think the key consideration for me is, I think he thought this move was going to go through sooner. I think when he said to Klopp, I want to go, I think he thought, right, this will move quite quickly now. Um, I've got the best of the manager by the sounds of it. But then, sort of, um, Aleti Faka coming and saying, "Oh no, we can't actually. We can only pay ten million. Oh, we we want him on a free transfer." And <laughs> to be honest, I think Liverpool, you know, have got to stand their ground on that. And uh, really, the, the concern for him now is that it's developed, I think, into more of a saga when it could have been a, a swift exit. Mm. So, how does he now, if he does remain at the club, how does he conduct himself? I think I do have faith in him to be professional, but I'm more kind of worried about the the squad dynamics around that. I yeah. mean, let, let's kind of talk about that a little bit more. Um, I mean, first off, before we'll touch on the player again in a second, do you think Liverpool are handling, handling it well? Do you think it was right to, to say to Henderson, yeah, you can leave if we get the right price tag. It's 20 million, sort of a fair amount to ask for. And and should they now kind of dig their heels in? Because I've seen one or two people argue that, look, it's clear Henderson doesn't fully want to be here anymore. Let's maybe compromise a bit. We've got the money from Fabinho. Let's just kind of facilitate that and bring in someone else. I mean, how do you make the, the club's um, hand on the situation? I think, um, I think, the, I mean, all, I think all big clubs at, at this level, 
have a plan, a, a three, four year plan. I think, I mean, it's no surprise that we're re, you know, refurbing the midfield. I think if you had asked anyone over the past two years, the five year plan would have been to get all these guys off the books and get a new new midfield in place. The when and the how and the where, I think that's where it gets a bit more difficult for the club. Um, like you said, I think not just for Liverpool, but for, I think, you know, clubs all over the big five leagues and beyond, the Saudi league becoming more of a force was something that, you know, you don't anticipate. And I think when you've got all these moving sort of objects, you, you have to sort of go with the flow. I think Klopp, I don't know about the club, but definitely Klopp, I think his stance has always been, if you don't want to play, as we mentioned before, I'm happy for you to go. But then I think then you have to balance that with the club saying, you know, we're not going to let you, we're not going to let a player on a two-year contract go for free. You know, there's only yeah. so much we can do. But I think the club have done really well. They said, you know, we're not asking crazy money. I've seen that yeah. the club will be happy for something like 10, 20 million pounds, which I don't think is extortionate. Mm. Um, I think they've used uh, Koulibaly as a benchmark. He's gone for 20-something odd million. Yeah. You know, he's not, he's, he's quite disappointing at Chelsea, despite his Napoli career been a big part player. So I, th I think it's not a bad benchmark to go against. I think now what's important, though, is Klopp and the club have to get a solution one way or another. We need to get an answer. Are you going? Are you go Are you not? I think it's already past the point of being ideal. They're on their preseason. It started. Mm. Henderson would have featured in that preseason plans or for the, when we start the season. So we need to get an answer either way. I think the club have handled it pretty well to answer your question, but we do need a solution one way or another in the next couple of days, really. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, like we said, really, the top clarity is important with all this. Um, and generally, I think the club's stance is, is one that does make a bit of sense in terms of club want, wants to let players leave, I think, partly because, um, you know, there's a sense of duty and obligation, and that will be very pronounced in the case of Henderson, given what he's contributed. Um, but also because he doesn't want people on, on board who aren't fully committed. Yeah. Um, and I think you also, while I get the argument to kind of, you know, to just get bang the money and move them on, if you can get maybe 10 million as opposed to 20, um, I do think the club are fully within their rights to dig their heels in. And I suppose when you've got a model that demands kind of uh, reinvestment of funds, then it's important that you get kind of as much as you can for players. And also <laughs> you, you basically making them pay the price of the disruption that they're, they're causing you at, at this sort of stage when you were yeah. just flying out for preseason as well. Um, and obviously Henderson's head must be a bit all over the place at the moment because he has just, you know, joined the squad going to Germany. But I suppose you look at him and think, you know, you expect him as the captain of the club to, to still be professional. And I don't necessarily think there's anything inherently unprofessional about what he's done so far. Mm. No. Um, really, I mean, people have, have suggested on social media that Henderson doesn't deserve to be the captain if he stays at Liverpool. Um, that to me feels a little bit um extreme to kind of take it off him if he if he does remain. I mean, what's your stance on on the way the players kind of uh, conducted themselves so far? I think it's hard. I think it's really hard to comment on squad dynamics, player dynamics when you, you know, when we're, we're we're so outside all of it and we don't really know how it works. I think you look back at Klopp's tenure so far. He do, he doesn't really. I don't, I don't think he places much importance on who the captain is. 
Mm. I think we I think it's been spoken about they have a leadership group within the club. Um and I think you know that's that's a, a few chosen players who sort of keep things going and and keep things turning over. I think if Henderson does stay we'd be making more of a thing about the whole saga by you know making a big thing and saying he's no more club captain. Because for all intents and purposes when we do kick off and we look at, you know, the 40, 50 games we do end up playing this season, Jordan Henderson's not going to be on the pitch for a majority of them, I would think. So him being captain, club captain, I think, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's, the, it's the biggest deal. And I think if we do choose to sort of put this all in the past and look at it next season, the best way to look at it is say, you know, it was a tempting offer. I think a lot of players would have said yes. to. I mean, a lot of people would have said yes to quadrupling their wages. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's not happened. Let's just move forward and do the best that we can. So I think if he does stay, keep him as club captain. I don't think captain on the pitch would be him because I don't think I don't see him getting that many minutes anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and maintaining status quo and maintaining the focus on the pitch and getting results is the most important thing. So as few distractions as possible, I think is the ideal. Yeah, I think you blow this up. That this sort of situation, if you take the captain's armband off him, exactly. I don't think what he's done necessarily deserves the happening. But I am a little bit concerned in terms of the dynamics. You think, the, yeah, the dynamics, the harmonies in the squad. Just because you know we know how vocal Henderson is, we know we basically you know barks orders at players. There's got to be sort of something that happens where you know if if, if he's sort of. Exert and that authority in the squad is in your place. So I think to yourself, hang on, why am I sort of like, <laughs> yeah, to you kind of you didn't want to be here type thing, yeah. Um, so I do think it's something to kind of keep an eye on. Um, it's not something we're normally like used to. Like, everyone's always felt very kind of um smooth and harmonious, certainly from the outside. And I think you are right, we don't know kind of how the dynamic functions, and I think that's a good thing. I think it's good that there is that kind of dressing room sanctity. I just think. People that we've seen on social media sort of make the point that, oh, you're overestimating kind of the value of leadership. It, it's more about kind of, um, you know, quality is what matters at the end of the day. We've got these other players who can step in and fill the void. I just think that strikes me as very naive because yeah. it's not just, you know, while it is, you know, the action happens on the pitch, it's not just all about kind of, you know, the football inside of things. You know, it is a group of, of people. There does have to be that kind of cohesion there. And I just think, you know, to hear people talk all the time about individuals who set and kind of maintain a culture at a club, you know, to hear that and say people who've been inside that situation say how valuable that is, how crucial that is, and how um, it's basically the club's identity. I think you can't necessarily hear that and then just ignore it and just think yep. that it's all down to the fact that Jordan Henderson's, you know, legs might have gone. I think James Milner, you know, he was obviously well, I mean, he was deep into his day by the time he left, but yeah. Klopp talked repeatedly, other players talked about it, and there was times that it was clear to see how valuable a figure he was as well. And I guess, you know, the idea of losing them in the same summer really didn't sit right with me at all. But one last sort of question, and to finish just briefly, what's your gut instinct? Um, do you think Jordan Henderson will stay, or do you think that there will be a compromise found between the clubs and that he'll leave? Um... I think, so Fabinho, I think, is going to go. I'd be very yeah. surprised if he doesn't. And given the fact that if Henderson and Fabinho stayed, I think we were midfielders short. 
now that Fabinho's left, we're giving ourselves quite a bit to do. If we do let Henderson go now at this point, we are giving ourselves, you know, a lot to do. We've completely revamped that whole midfield. We don't really have a senior player who's been there. I have a feeling because of those two things, there might be a conversation to be had and say, Jordan, you know, I mean, you've accepted it. They're not, they're not willing to pay the fee that we need. It might be a thing to, to speak to him and say, you know, we look at it maybe in January or maybe we look at it in the summer, but we just can't. We just can't let you go now. It completely disrupts preseason. It completely disrupts our squad planning. And because of that, I'm hoping then he stays only, only for the sake of stability because I just can't see us bringing in two midfielders. We need a centre-back as well. Getting them bedded in, it's 16 July now, so it's less than a month till the first first fixture. I if I had to put my money on, I think he stays. I I think he'll stay as well. Um one thing we should mention just before we go is that even if he does, he has now sort of said he's willing to obviously go and play in Saudi Arabia. And I think a lot of people have, you know, justifiably um been upset in terms of, you know, Henderson's been a very vocal um advocate of sort of rainbow laces. Um there yeah. was there was a statement from Cop Pass we've had obviously the founder um of that group on on the podcast before and um they said that they were sort of appalled and concerned that henderson would even consider uh making that move and i think that's the thing now even if he doesn't go he said that he's kind of willing to kind of to make that move and it just feels like a little bit of a slap in the face i suppose uh from that standpoint as kind of a a, a prominent ally to the lgbt community so really that's the thing that disturbed me most in terms of the, the player's conduct and we would have been remiss um not to give that a mention at some point but yeah 100%. we'll uh we'll leave the podcast uh there for now we'll see next week if there is movements on henderson we'll obviously react to that and i think probably more importantly at the moment we'll also be um across liverpool's efforts to find a replacement for fabinho and and when somebody comes through the door because it definitely will be a when rather than an if um We'll be looking um, into the player extensively. So keep an eye out uh, for that episode when it comes. In the meantime, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next week. Um, And until the next one, take care.